Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So, uh, title, you know, says more, some more LVO. Um, that is not everything we're going to talk about, so don't worry there. Um, you know, we want to do this bonus episode and get on a couple more guests uh, that uh, I think will be a great addition to the show. Um, heard a lot of great things about them, uh, but uh, Craig, why don't you take it away with the introductions there? Yeah, I hope I'm saying your names right. Um, Tang and Ping are joining us. They are the guys who went into LVO as the Pokemon Masters, and they we hadn't heard of them before, but they took the show by storm. So I wanted to get them on here, and as did David, to talk to these gentlemen about their experience with the game. Um, so we'll go ahead and jump right into that, if you guys are ready. Um, yep. Ping, if you could, if you could tell me... Um, thanks for coming on, by the way. Yeah, thanks but for having me. How long have you been playing A Song of Ice and Fire? Uh, so me and Ting, um, I, we both got started around the same time. I think we got started in, like, right before the pandemic hit. And then uh, we got into it, and then as the pandemic hit, we couldn't really play in person. So uh, I think that was, like, around 2019. Um, and then we kind of stopped playing, and then when the 2021 updates came through. That's when we kind of really picked up and then uh, we heard about LVO. And uh, so then that's when we really, really ramped up and started practicing for it. So I don't know, maybe about a year, maybe a little bit more than that. Okay. So you're fairly new to it. So what drew you to the game then? Um, Why this one? It's, it's, it's a game of Thrones. Uh, so that was, you know, an interesting uh, world, uh, because, you know, I'm a big fan of the show. And then, uh, I think, I think it was in the stage where like Tang was just finding a bunch of board games for, for us to play and try out. And, um, luckily this was one of them and we played around in person and it was really fun. And so we just decided to, you know, keep on playing. Awesome. Awesome. It's a, it's a very unique game. Um, so, uh, Tang, since we've been hearing from Ping, um, what, what drew you to the faction that you chose? I believe you played Lannisters. Yeah, uh, honestly, I only played them because we got the starter set, you know, and I gave, uh, you know, Ping picked the Starks and I took the Lannisters. I wanted to play the Baratheons, but right now... They're, I believe that they're strong, but then they just need to they just need to fix some stuff to make them competitive. So I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go with what I have, save money, you know, and just play the Lannisters. They're they're a pretty good team if you play it correctly, or you play them correctly. Uh, how I play them is everyone thinks that the Lannisters you play them defensively. I feel like if you play them super aggressive, you tend to you tend to uh, psych people out because people they never they don't play against aggressive Lannisters, you know. And how I play is they're already they're already a counter into a team. You might as well just put on, put on the pressure and you know make them super aggressive and just pretty much control everything, you know. Yeah, so I am very much in the same camp of if you're not attacking, you're losing, and. Oh. 
at LVO, everyone I had played up until playing you was kind of not attacking. You know, kind of letting me do my own thing. But you, uh, you did yeah. exactly what you just said you were going to do, and gave me a bit of a scare. But I'll let you go into that later uh, as we go on. Um, and Ping, so you chose Starks because it was the other half of the starter set. Um, is that why you stuck with them, or did, are you drawn to them, or what are your thoughts on your faction? Yeah, so Ping uh, brought up a good point, saving money. Um, I am married, so I don't have, uh, you know, full financial control of what I get to spend money, <laughs> my money on. So um, saving money is a big, big thing. Um, in fact, that's the reason why we played most of our games on tabletop, so that we can actually get a feel for whatever units we want to buy, and then that way we can really pick out what units we want to get. Um, and uh, the the funny thing is, I, I actually was going into this tournament, I probably wanted to switch to Targaryens or Night's Watch, because they're the top two factions at the time, uh, still. Right. Um, and uh, the only reason why I stuck with Starks was because Simon dangled the carrot in front of our faces about a patch coming out uh, in possibly at the end of the, uh, December into the middle of January, and now we're in February. But um, they mentioned that, so I was thinking maybe, you know, they might actually balance some things out and that the Starks might uh, raise up, rise up in the rank, ranking there. And um, so that, that was a big factor and the reason why uh, I had stuck with the Starks. So, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. That's a, that's a pretty good reason. that They had that carrot out there, and I, I almost did the same thing you did. Uh, mm. There was a time, and most of the listeners already know this, but before 2021, um, really before COVID and during, the Starks reigned supreme. Uh, you, you would have loved those days. Um, so tell me then, since, since we're still on you, let's uh, talk us through your list and why you chose the actual units and the pieces that you chose. Yeah, so um, my list I brought uh, Great John Umber and Roderick. So um, I think I might have actually brought Ed in place of Roderick if uh, the if I knew that the terrain was going to be static. Um, there were some kind of there were some rule changes here and there. Um, that affected that, and so uh, to go over my list, uh, I brought Great John Number because his tactic cards is basically what the Starks want to do, which is they want to just take a bunch of damage, and then when they're at low wounds or ranks, they really pop off. And uh, his commander cards really amplify that with Berserker's tactics and uh, uh, some of those other ones which cause wounds as, as the units get lower in rank. And so uh, I brought She-Bears with Great John Number, um, a unit of Great Axes with more mountain vets, uh, the Stormcoat Mercenaries with more mountain vets, and then a unit of Flademen, and then with three MCUs, Catelyn, Tycho, and Ned Stark. Um, the mercs were really just there to kind of sit on points and really just tie up other units that cost more than them. And then, um, I think the biggest piece that people probably would be most curious about is the Umber Great Axis and the Mormont Bets at eight points, because, um, honestly on paper, the Great Axes aren't that great, 
but when I play tested them uh, and actually got them on the table, they actually were pretty much indestructible. Um, and they were able, at a 7-6-4 attack profile, like, they're usually always on two ranks because you have net start to heal them up after a panic test. They kind of just, their damage output kind of stayed the same, and they basically, uh, with Momot Vets, they were pretty much able to tank everything they could tank on. They could take on, like, two or three units at a time and potentially kill one or two before they go down, so... That was my decision on that. Those guys, um, and then my Roderick list. Um, I had Roderick in a unit of Stark Bowmen, um, Sheavers, Hedge Knights, Flayed Men, and then three NTUs, the same ones: Catelyn, Ned, and Tycho. Uh, I actually ended up not using this list, but this list was supposed to be like my uh, anti-MOD list and. Uh, it, funny enough, was actually supposed to also play against uh, Cal Drogo, but I ended up using Umber for those matchups because of the game modes. So I didn't end up using Roderick at all. Yeah, I think that's more common in a lot of these tournaments than people realize, people bringing two lists, the second one for a key situation, and then either that key situation never comes up or that key matchup never comes up, or it gets overridden by um, something else, you know, like, like you mentioned, scenario. Um, that happens to me as well. I've got two lists. You know, everyone has two lists. But I show up with two lists, and usually only one sees the table. So that's, that's really not uncommon. Um, go ahead and start uh, take us through your, your games, your matchups, who you played, how the games went, any key moments that stood out to you, uh, anything like that. Yeah, so uh, the first game was um, Fire and Blood. It was against uh, Lannister, a guy named Nick. And uh, so I, I had mentioned that um, my Mercs, I had specifically, the only role they play in my army composition was just to tie up uh, higher topic units and just kind of sit on points. And that's exactly what happened in round one. Um, they tied up his um, I think he had uh, played men, and so I, I guess uh, with my mercs on the side of the table, they were pretty juicy with that seven morale uh, roll. So he charged his played men into those, those guys, and they kind of just held them for the entire game while my other uh, units kind of mopped up his uh, his other uh, units. And then uh, he was eventually able to get through the mercs with the Mormont vet finally, and. Um, then uh, you know we we called game and uh, I got a uh, essentially a table for the first round um, in Fire and Blood and then uh, for the second game um, it was a Clash of Kings and I played against Carl um, he was running Cal Drogo and um, so this was the mode where I was going to use Roderick, but because it's Clash of Kings and your commander unit gets to respawn after they after they uh, die, I didn't want uh, to use Roderick in that case because he was just in a unit of bowmen. And if they died, they kind of didn't have much oomph in them after um, coming back. And especially going up against Khal Drogo and Bloodriders, uh, 
if blood riders go down, they respawn, they can just charge right into my archers again, and they'll pretty pretty much be useless. So I ran my umber list. Um, I played the scenario, so I uh, I I deployed my guys um, again the mercs on the side to try and just cap points. And then uh, I deployed my great axes across his Caldrogo and with my flayed men and she bears in the middle. And uh, my hope was to have him basically go after those points. And um, he didn't. He actually didn't fall for that. And he just went straight for my flayed men in the middle um, and blew those guys up. Um, but Thankfully, I was able to get, um, I think it was his veterans in Cal Drogo. I, I was able to get them pretty low with my she-bears and flayed men, and um, I was able to kill his blood riders. And then on that same round uh, with, I can't even remember my cards, um, his mercenaries, he had a, mercenaries with the unsullied officer in them and uh i had attacked them and uh knocked them down a rank and actually that and they have i think go down fighting and so they did one wound to my she bears and that actually killed my she bears but i had last stand in my hand so i was able to play that and essentially got two attacks off on his mercenaries so I killed Cal Drogo, and then I killed his mercenaries using that. And then uh, by that time, I think I was already up uh, like eight points, eight to four. Um, and then he um, he essentially tried to charge into my mercenaries on the side to try to get me off of points so that uh, uh, he could respawn Cal Drogo the next round and, and then you know, wreck havoc there, but uh, thankfully he didn't have field control. So after all of our activations, I was able to get on. I was able to get on the horse with my last NCU and retreat the mercenaries so that they could still uh, count as controlling the objective. And then uh, I won based off of points. So I scored the last two points for that round and got to ten and won that way. And then uh, the third game mode was uh, the Winds of Winter. Uh, that's the one where I played against you, Craig. And um, I think uh, I I was listening into you guys' podcast, and it happened pretty much the same way. Uh, I mean, obviously you were there. It, it happened the way you explained it. Um, I wasn't expecting to get charged in the flank by your Hakars, and I think my Shibiras had eight wounds left. And so I wasn't expecting to necessarily get, get blown up with one attack by the Hakars in the flank, but uh, unfortunately that happened. And then from there, it kind of just snowballed from there, and uh, you pretty much destroyed my entire army, tabled me there. And uh, then um, I did want to ask you about this game a little bit, because there's a lot of back and forth on other podcasts and in and, and Discord and everywhere else, uh, the difference between 2NCU and 3NCU. And mm -hmm. I had two in that scenario, and you had three. And what were your thoughts on it? I mean, and obviously this is scenario-specific, 
But what how, what were your thoughts on the three and two versus two in this scenario and how it played out? Yeah, so I um, I actually liked the three and two in in this scenario just because of those cards, those mission cards that allow you to uh, get points off of if you take a tactic zone before your opponent does. And the reason why is because of that one mission card. I think mission mission card 12 or 11, um, the one that uh, when you play it, if you have less points, you get a point and you get to go first. So um, I knew that I wasn't really going to be able to uh, beat up, beat, beat Cal Drogo in a straight-up fight. And so I, um, I essentially gave you points in the beginning of the rounds just so that I could play that card and get that momentum round in uh, round three and try and kill you before you could kill my guys. Um, and that was where it was unfortunate. Like, um, I just, I didn't realize that her car could like march out like halfway across the field and, and, and uh, flank my, my she bears and, and blow me up. So that, I uh, didn't calculate that into um, healing my she bears with Ned Stark uh, because I was hoping, you know, with the two ranks, hitting on threes um, that I would be able to blow up a veteran um, or a screamer. So that I didn't, I didn't pop that Stark for that reason. And then that ultimately proved to be uh, bad. But, um, but, but anyways, uh, going back to your three, three versus two, I, I, I do really think that um, you can play, having three you can play if you can play it to your advantage um of course it sucks because it's against targaryens as well and like you had mentioned uh you had uh field control in your hand all day and uh that that's true um against targaryen it's a really annoying card to play against and especially in this uh it really locks me out to to using that but um i actually wasn't too worried because of the um, equal activation in our list at seven against seven. Um, I think I think if you were able to squeeze in an extra activation, I would have I would have been pretty pretty scared. Um, not that I am not like any time I face Caldrogo, I'm I'm always worried because Blood Rider and Caldrogo is just really strong. And um, but but yeah, I think. I think it just dice didn't go my way, and uh, uh, that was ultimately the deciding factor. Absolutely. Yeah, and then um, after after I lost to you, uh, played in the round four, uh, played against Carl and his Stark. It was a mirror match, Stark versus Stark. Um, and then I remember Carl mentioning it in that uh, in the the last podcast that uh, um, it was the I had placed down the corpse file, um, not knowing that he had played uh, Bolton black cards. Um, that was a big misplay on my part. But uh, in in hindsight, I think I think if I had just ignored his black cards, I probably may have fared a much better in this matchup. Um, so what had happened was, uh, I 
basically just lined up everything one-on-one against his and um and unfortunately that corpse pile and the horrific visage just decimated my shivers and uh, once they were gone off the board he basically just cleaned up and then uh the last game was hone and ready uh played against connor and he was a lancer um he brought a gregor Clegane list so with that i just decided to just duke it all i brought my great john number list for that one as well and we basically just threw units at each other um and uh, i was able to uh pop off great john number and actually uh do a reckless charge into an overrun um to in, in killing like multiple of his units and then uh, basically just Tabled them at that point once I got that combo off. And uh, so that those are my games. So you finished on a high note there. Yeah. I I was super happy after getting those two losses uh, to go out on a win, and especially a fun win. We were just rolling dices um, all day for that, for that game mode. So that was fun. Good. So... And, and this was your first uh, major event for Song of Ice and Fire? Yeah, it was, and, and we learned a lot, um, Ting and I. Um, I did concede game four to Carl, and I didn't know how tournament points worked. So I, after tallying up all the points, I realized that uh, conceding that cost me one tournament point, and that was the deciding factor for me finishing 11th compared to, I think I could have, maybe finished uh, seventh or eight. Um, so now that I know to, it, it's a good experience. I, I'll, I'll just say that it, you know, not to concede next time and just play it out and try to get those victory points or those uh, tournament points. Gotcha. Yeah. It's the, the first tournament's always a little, a little shaky on how everything works. Uh, mm-hmm. Tang to you. Um, let's start with your list and then go through your games, if you would, sir. Okay. Um, my list is pretty much straightforward. It's just roofs. You know, double roofs with poor fellows, Blade Man, Knights of Cassidy Rock with triple NCU for both, li- both lists. Uh, I honestly think roofs is like Lannister's best commander right now because obviously for what he does, He's just really strong in this current meta, especially for Lannisters. Uh, I'll just start with the first game. The first game I was playing against the Baratheons, and they were running Melisandre Bomb, you know, and I honestly think that's like the most broken NCU because the fact that she could take a tactic zone and do the panic. So I was being stupid, and I put a corpse pile right in the middle of the map, and I was like, cool. Well, that didn't <laughs> that did not work out for me because I lost I lost my first night, and I was playing my um, Roost Tyrion list. No, list. I lost my I lost my first night. 
I think by round two, because I rolled really bad in panic damage, so I think I took five damage the first time, I took another five the second time I failed another panic test because he took the crown. So my knights just blew up. Then, you know, I just had to rush him, you know. So he was, he was, cornered, he was cornering up. He had two NCUs. I think he only had six activations. But he has two NCUs and he had more points on the board. So I had to come with him because he was going to win tiebreakers. And honestly, I think that match, you know, I just got very lucky because my poor fellows, I was rolling precision all day. I was doing like three, four precisions every auto. And I was, my poor fellow was able to take down his plate men, <laughs> which was really, really wow. shocking. Yeah, it's really, really shocking. Like, I rolled three precision. He failed his panic test. He took six damage. Next round, I rolled another three precision. He failed his panic test. He took another six damage. You know, yeah, then uh, I lost, yeah, I think by round, by round four or five, I lost both my knights. And it was just purely my poor fellows carrying the game. You know, like, the Melisandre bomb wasn't hitting as hard. And I was, like, rolling like a god. I was rolling sixes all day with precision, you know. So I just got really yeah. lucky. Yeah, then, like, it got it got so stressful to the point where, like, I got triple counterplot. Uh, uh, Flayman has no secrets. And I was, like, countering every of his tactic cards. And he straight went, like, bro, I think you played counterplot, like, three times. I was like, hey, man, I understand. I played against Roos, you know. I literally countered all his tactic cards. And I can understand the frustration, you know, because that's just how Roos is. Yeah, they came down to one charge at the end where I mean, his commander was Axel, so he played that card where it guarantees a six. Then I popped Tywin's ability. Now, I popped Tyrion's ability, which let me pull a counterplot from a discard pile, and I canceled that. Then he fell the disorderly charge, then, you know, my portfolio was able to blow up his bone blackguard, and that's, that's technically how I won. I think I won because I got lucky on the first match. Yeah, sorry, I don't, I don't remember some of the guys' names. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been, uh, I think it's been like two weeks. Yeah, it's been two weeks since LVO, so, Apologize, guys. I don't remember any some of your names. Uh, this, my second game, I was playing against I think uh, Starkless, and he brought he brought uh, Berserker with Harden. That game was just that game was just like scoring points. Like I feel like I feel like Berserker isn't that strong with Harden because of the fact that they block on fives. So I pretty much just like powered with powered through with my flame men and my war cries. Yeah, then it got it got down to where like you know I I had more points than him and he was waiting for me to do anything. I just I just didn't do anything. I just activated all my units and I just passed my turn and it got to round six. Then you know I won because of points. Then uh, I think. The third game, which is uh, Winds, Winds of Winter, I, I believe <clears throat> that game I was going against Kodroko with uh, seven activation against seven activation. I brought my Tywin list. Uh, 
it started out very slow. Like, we were both setting up our lines. So I think his mistake was he, he put both his playmen and Kaldrogo on top of a bog. And that pretty much kind of just killed the momentum for him. So I just I just gave him, like, two points so I can play that mission card 11 to go to start first again. So I just I just charged his right flank, took down his screamer, then I searched fourth around him to the flank, uh, to the rear of Caldrogo. Then I played mission 11. Then, you know, honestly, I got very lucky. Like, Caldrogo had nine life. Oh, yeah, and I was able to uh, cancel uh, his Tycho heal by luck, you know, because he forgot that he had a, a weakened token on him. So I was able to cancel his Tycho heal. So Caldrogo had, 11, uh, had nine HP. Then I was able to charge... Kodroko from the rear, and I had a weekend on my uh, flayman. So the first roll I did, I had nine hits. Then he weakened it. Then I rolled. Then obviously, instead of nine, instead of uh, what is it? Instead of nine hits, I got ten hits or something. Then luckily, all the hits went through because you know he was locking on a five, and he, you know he rolled bad. Then I was able to snipe Kodroko. Then you know. I, after I sniped Kodrogo, it was just pretty much, you know, I was chasing, I was chasing his blade man around, you know, and at the end, I just, I just ended up killing all his units. Then, you know, I just won, you know, by, uh, by, by uh, killing all his units. Now, the fourth game, I believe, was my funnest game, and I believe that was against you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was. <laughs> I still have nightmares. No, you shouldn't have nightmares. I believe that was a really fun game. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> yeah. So like, like I had a feeling you were going, you were gonna pick MOD because I was like, yeah, you wouldn't pick because you 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 got uh, Jerome Mormont on your other list, right? No. Oh, you didn't. Okay. No, no Jerome. No. Nope. Well, like, okay. Yeah. So I was, I was kind of thinking that you might go. MOD, but I was like, you're more comfortable with Kondroko, so I'll just bring my uh, Kondroko list, but then you brought your MOD list. You know, and when the when the game started, I was like, okay, like, there's no way there's no way this this mode we played on, I forgot what mode is it. Is it uh, Dance, uh, Dance of Dragons. Yeah, Dance of Dragons, where your unit caps, and they move at two inches. I was like, there's no way there's no way we're going to be capping because I have double cavalry. You have three dragons. There's no way we're going to be capping because we're just going to cripple ourselves. So I just went with the, yeah, we're just going to fight this out, you know, and that's pretty much what we did. We were trading blows for blows. And, you know, I think when my poor fellows with uh, my champion of faith died, I was like, I think, I think this might be game because, I have no way to put vulnerable tokens on you anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then, yeah, I just kind of, I played it out. You know, it, it got real close until the end where, you know, it was my flameman against your dragon. You know, and dragon. I got my charge yep. off. Yeah, I got my charge off. I rolled my hits. You blocked. You blocked, like, all of them except, like, four damage. Yeah, and that's when I was like, yeah, that's game. Like, there's no way I can recover from this. You know, you you can attack me three times in a row. 
that you know, you attack me three times in the one, you pretty much won. Yeah, then uh, my last game, I played it against Carl. Yeah, and that game was really sad for me because I made I made a really big crucial mistake against Carl that could have given me third place if I would have if I didn't like uh, mental block. I think I would have won because I only lost because we ran out of time and it was the fifth round and he had one he had one unit left with 1 hp his his uh commander he was at the corner it was 1 hp left you know, and you know they uh, the the judges called time and you know he that's how he won like the game went went out pretty evenly until like i i took out i think i took out his uh I took out one of his berserkers, and it kind of just snowballed. Then I, it just kind of went on. I just kept killing his units slowly, slowly. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to take my – I'm just going to take my time, you know, and play this all right because, you know, in my mind, I was thinking I still have a, I still have like 20 minutes left to play. But then I didn't realize that um, we were so close to the deadline, deadline already. So, yeah, so it was Carl's turn, and he did a retreat. So he retreated to the corner and he pivot he pivot uh his sworn swords to where I couldn't I couldn't uh legally charge. But then the this is where the issue came from. Like I forgot that when you retreat you can pivot the unit that it was engaged with too. And I was so I was so mental blocked by uh the judge calling time that I was like, I can't win, you know, like I needed 20 seconds from the next round, and I would have probably won. But I was so mind blocked that I forgot that you can pivot. I can, I could have pivot my uh, cavalry to where my other flame can charge in and end the game. But you know, like I said, uh, stress got to me, nerves got to me. I wasn't. I, I didn't. I didn't realize that. I so yeah, that was all. Pretty much, we just called game, and you know, he won. But you know, like I said, uh, Carl. He, yeah, he was a really good guy. Like everyone I met over there, they were really good, really good players. You know, had a lot of fun. Good, good. So, your first major event, you both went three and two. Then you both both finished in the top half of the rankings, and you guys drew attention from even all the way over in the UK. There were podcasts over there mentioning who are these guys. So we had to get you on to, uh, to to solve the mystery on who you guys are. So uh, to some, if you guys would summarize your experience then, is this something you would do again? Would you guys go to Adepticon, or where are you guys at with all of that? Yeah, um, so we're actually planning to meet tomorrow, um, me and Ting, um, along with my wife and his girlfriend, um, we're actually planning to meet tomorrow to go over Adapticon and just plan out how we want our trip to go. So for right now, uh, we are planning to go to Adapticon. Uh, which tournaments are you guys thinking about entering? Um, I think right now I can only look towards Adapticon and I can't look any further. Um, we've got to prioritize I mean, there's, there's... some of the things. 
There's multiple uh, tournaments at Adepticon for Song of Ice and Fire. I think there's a 55-point oh. event and a team event, yeah. and there's a main event. Yeah, I, I think we're just going to sign up for the main event, the 40-point tournament. Okay, well, cool. Um, hopefully I don't uh, don't <laughs> have to play you guys again because that was a little rough. Took about five years off my life there. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so Dave, I, these are all the questions I had for these fine gentlemen. Did you have any? Did we lose Dave? Nope. Uh, sorry, I was muted, so I didn't uh, breathe too heavily while I'm uh, uh, painting. <laughs> um, I was going to ask. Uh, you know, what's your, you know, not necessarily about LVO, but what's your just overall um, experience with the game? Uh, you know, and then also, uh, like, what are you looking forward to of anything that's been revealed or leaked? Uh, and what are you kind of hopeful for the future of the game? I don't think you want to start. Oh yeah, yeah, I can start. Um I I think that uh I like where the game is going. I feel like Simon should slow down the game. I feel like this game is more strategic. It's not like Warhammer where you're just shooting each other and blowing half the army, you know. I like I like these slow strategic gameplay of uh, Game of Thrones. You know, I think that's the thing that drew me in the most is the fact that, like, you actually have to think. It's not just I'm going to shoot this guy because he's in he's in range, you know. And I think I I think what I'm looking for the most is uh, the Sansa rework. Um, I believe I, I know that a lot of people hate Sansa. They don't think Sansa is good, but I think Sansa is like one of the most broken NCU. Any NCU that can recycle that can recycle tactic cards, I believe is broken because of how impactful tactic cards are. So if the leaks were right and if Sansa can recycle any tactic cards every time she claims the board, supposedly that's what they say. I probably will switch to Stark just so I can abuse that recycle. Yeah, then. I honestly feel like Great Dry is going to be really strong coming up with them, you know, with all with all their heroes. I think the heroes too. Yeah, they have a really strong NCUs right now with the uh, resilience and all that stuff. They're, you know, someone's going to find a someone's going to find a combo that makes makes this so they're like walking giants, and they're only taking half damage for all the hits, you know, and I feel like that's going to be the meta for a while until until uh, something gets nerfed or, or passed up. Okay. Um, I guess I'll go next. Um, so my experience, uh, this is actually my first, uh, I guess it would be rank and file, um, first war game, um, so I've never played Warhammer or I've never played any any of those kind of games before. This song is my first 
um, rank and foul war game. And uh, any any kind of tournament experience I had before, I I only entered in like one tournament and it was like Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, so that's, that's that's the extent of my tournament experience. Um, actually, I lied. Uh, me and Ting, we we were we were pretty avid League of Legends player players. Uh, so we entered some small local tournaments for those as well. Um, so that that's my experience. Um, and then uh, what I'm looking forward to most is the patch. Um, I I don't think Sansa is going to be as strong as, as what Ting is saying because I think that engine is a little too slow um, and it's a little too telegraphed. But who knows? Um, maybe once we get it on, once the patch goes live and we can actually play, test it uh, in person or on tabletop, uh, my opinion might change about Sansa. Um uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm really just looking forward to what patches are coming in, um, figuring out what the next top faction is going to be. And, um, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping the patch comes out soon so that we actually have some time to practice for Adepticon and actually, uh, make a decision on a faction that, um, that, I want to bring to Adepticon. Otherwise, if the patch doesn't come out anytime soon, then I would probably just stick with Starks and take that to Adepticon. And so, yeah. All right. And then uh, I know you guys were saying that you're probably just doing the main event, but if you are free, uh, the I believe the team tournament is on that Friday. So, um uh, if you guys are able to make it to that one, uh, I think you guys would make a great uh, team. Um, I'm sure you guys know know each other's play style kind of in and out, and that a lot of times will help with, um, you know, coming up with a uh, two lists that will complement each other really well. Um, so for anyone else out there that uh, is – on the fence or maybe is going and didn't know about the events. I believe Thursday is the 55 point tournament. Um, and then Friday is the team tournament. Saturday is the main event. And then Sunday, uh, is just like a fun tournament day, you know, bring like a goofy list sort of a thing. But if the numbers fall goofy, I believe they are doing finals on Sunday. If they can't determine a winner on Saturday, but um, but if they can, then it is a one-day event. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I think I think uh, you know since me and Ting are meeting tomorrow, um, you know we may discuss it, and maybe you guys might see us at the team event. Nice. Um, Craig, do you uh, have anything that you thought of? Uh, no. Nope. So, um, what uh, what was your overall expectations as far as your performance? Do you feel like you did uh, better, worse, about where you thought you would um, uh, when you play for your placings in the event? Um, I personally thought that I was probably going to end up losing all my games uh, just because of how powerful 
blood writer uh, Cal Jogo is. Um, I was really crossing my fingers that uh, Cal Jogo wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, blood writers wouldn't be released in the U.S. Uh, before the lip, the, lo- uh, the lists were locked. Um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. So once that went through, um, I didn't have much hope that uh, I was going to be able to pull some victories. Um, I do want to mention that uh, the uh, all the Night's Watch players that did attend LVO um, were, were pretty honorable in the fact that they didn't bring – I don't think any one of them brought Relentless, um, and I don't know if any one of them brought Crossbows. If any, they might have brought one. Um, so I think that was a big factor, too, in my placement at 3-2. and two. Um, So, again, I, I didn't have much expectation. Uh, when I went 2-0 the first day, I was pretty surprised, especially uh, getting that win against Carl, who finished 4th or 5th, um, and him running Cal Drogo and actually beating a Cal Drogo list. Um, so I was pretty surprised. Uh, with my performance on that. And um, I know now that with how the tournament points work uh, and how everything gets paired up uh, with, you know, individuals, I think and I'm hoping for a much better showing uh, at Adepticon and a much better placement at Adepticon. And so that that's my my experience. <clears throat> Yeah, my experience is I thought I was going to be in the middle. Like maybe out of 36 people, I was. I thought I was probably going to top like 22 maybe, maybe 26. The reason why I thought that was I was assuming everyone was going to run, you know, build a crossbowman, as I watched build a crossbowman with Relentless and obviously the MOD and Cal Droco, so – Coming in, I thought everyone was just going to be running Targaryens and Night's Watch, you know, and like what Peng said, uh, none of the Night's Watch brought Relentless or Crossbowman, and the fact that I never played a Night's Watch the tournament, so I think I got pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah, so, but, you know, like I said, uh, for me, I was I was expecting Targaryens because, you know, I pretty much practiced against them all the time because I knew that I was eventually going to run into a Targaryen's list. Night's Watch was a little iffy. I was just kind of hoping that I could dodge, which luckily I did. I dodged all the Night's Watch players, so <laughs> I got really lucky there. Now, are you guys – oh, go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. Yeah, I'm pretty much I was going to ask – are you guys on uh, uh, Tabletop Simulator at all? Yeah, so we're on it quite a bit. We actually just play amongst ourselves. We have another cousin who actually is our, like, uh, practice dummy. <laughs> uh, we <laughs> essentially just assign him whatever faction is the hot faction at the time. So it, uh, it involves a lot of losses to him. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I probably... And I don't enter these into stats, so otherwise I probably have like 100 losses in stats. Um, but essentially, we assign him the role of of the top faction. So he plays a lot of Targaryens. He he he's a very 
intelligent guy. He likes to theorycraft a lot. I mean, we all do, obviously, but um, he comes out with some, like, oddball lists, and uh, uh, he helped us immensely in preparing for the tournament um, by playing a bunch of Targaryens. He ran a lot of, like, different looks, um, and, and I even mentioned uh, Craig earlier about the eight activation thing. Um, he ran an eight activation Targaryen Caldrogo list that just decimated me. Uh, it didn't matter what I did with Starks. Um, it was the fact that Starks have a hard time getting immune to eight activation. Um, his eight activation list just decimated anything I brought against him. And then, um, uh, you know, I would occasionally have him run Mother Dragons um, and then, you know, the double crossbow, nice watch, and I would just constantly lose to him. Um, and so, yeah, we're on tabletop a lot, and we just play amongst the three of us. Um, and I think you want to expand on that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, a lot of it is just pretty much just us three playing, like what things said. And uh, it's funny because he, I, I give the, I give all these outrageous ideas, right? Like, oh man, you should try this, try this, and like, he takes it, and like my cousin, he, my other my cousin that you guys haven't met with play it, he takes it and he plays it and he makes it reasonable, you know. So I'm here like doing all these dumb, dumb ideas, beer crafting, and yeah, you know, I'm like, yo, you should try this and try this, and like, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's how like. Uh, we were able to theorycraft a lot of these builds without actually watching podcasts and watching live stream, you know, or like watching well, people I'm, play. I'm like, like, oh. I, I actually do watch a lot of podcasts and YouTubers. I watch you guys yeah. a lot, so I think it's just Tang Tang that uh, doesn't doesn't follow to you guys, but I I do. Yeah, then like um, I was I was I was playing against. Uh, my cousin, and he was running. He was running the standard MOD list, you know. So he was running the three, the three drags with the tanky, the tanky um unit and the tanky unit and Daenerys with the three NCUs. And I was like, yo, instead of like, instead of having Daenerys on a tanky unit, you should just put Daenerys in Stormcrows and make it so like it, make it so like. Daenerys can actually do something instead of just standing there, you know. So like, I I I haven't played that list against, but then I think people should try it. You you run your three NCUs with Barristan and your Drogo with Daenerys and Stormcrow, and like if they get close to, because like you have your dragon zoning everything out, and you're having your Stormcrow shoot, so they have to come at you, you know. Like I haven't seen people run it. I'm pretty sure people did run it already, but. That's how I see it. Like that makes MOD even more scarier. That's how I see it. Yeah, I um, I agree. Uh, my my MOD list is actually uh, um, her in Bastards Girls because even though the range isn't as potent as the Storm Crow, um, mm-hmm. you ask yourself, do you really want to get close? Because then I'm going to shoot charge you, uh, and it can get pretty ugly with Bastards Girls. Um, you know, 
they're arguably one of the best seven points in the game. Um, and it kind of gives her a dual role. That way she's not kind of sitting there. Kind of, I think, it, like you're kind of already mentioning. So, um, with that said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this was your first tournament or your first major tournament? For both of us, this was our first actual tournament. Um, we never played in any kind of miniature tournament before. So, you know, like I said, going in, we we studied the rules for a bit, but then, like, we weren't too familiar with tournament rule settings. Yeah. So, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Like, I think it went pretty decently. Yeah, and tabletop uh, tournaments, I think, are... You know, they're pretty, even the competitive ones are pretty laid back. It's very rare that you run into, like, that super, like, high-end competitive, uh, like, win-at-all-cost player. Um, and as you can even usually tell it just in the the army selections, you know, you go, and this isn't, like, to say anything against anyone that plays in the tournaments on Tabletop Simulator, but... Um, because you have access to everything and, you know, a lot of times you'll see a lot, uh, a lot more lists that are, you know, geared towards, you know, the most powerful things there is. But uh, I think that's the nice uh, balance of playing in person is that uh, you're going to see people really just play to what they're comfortable with, uh, you know, that's why, you know, you saw so many Stark players when Starks aren't considered the worst faction, but they're, you know, they're considered, you know, at the bottom end of the spectrum. But yet, you know, we had a lot of Stark players do really well, and that's because, you know, it's what's in their comfort zone. Uh, and a lot of times, um, you know, the experience of the player plus the comfortability of their skills with their list, especially if they have an... an uh, and I would say an oddball list or a list that, you know, your opponent's not used to. You can usually get the upper hand uh, on your opponent. So I think that's definitely one of the upsides and one of the things that you can usually tell about a tournament um, is that people are less concerned about running what's, you know, quote-unquote meta, you know, the, the top list. And this is something, you know, I used to play a handful of card games and, Card games, you know, absolutely love them. But I can't tell you how many times I'd go to a tournament and 70% of the player base uh, in the tournament out of, like, hundreds of people were all playing the same, like, three decks, like rock, paper, scissor. And then you'd have, like, the other 30% just running oddball stuff or, like, hard counters to, like, one of the, you know, the most po uh, popular of the three and so on. Whereas... Um, tabletop uh, tournaments, more often than not, you know, they're just playing what what they enjoy what uh, um, and what they're comfortable with. So um, I think that kind of shows with the turnout and the, the representation of uh, what was brought. I have to, you know, I have to give it to all the Stark players that ran, I believe, all but one or maybe all of them ran one list 
that had great John Umber. And I think I mentioned this in the last podcast is that, you know, I considered great John Umber just okay. Um, and seeing so many people run him has really opened my eyes to um, trying him out. You know, I, I don't know if I'm still convinced yet, but I am, I'm optimistic and I'm excited to try it out because uh, Starks used to be my favorite faction and I'm really trying to, uh, especially because I have like 80% of the army painted, I'm really trying to, you know, find some cool things about them that really kind of brings me back into the faction itself. Um, Craig, uh, anything you uh, thought of that you wanted to add? Oh, I think uh, I, I think there's definitely something to that umber. Um, we don't we haven't talked about Starks too much on here, and that's probably part of it. But uh, yeah, there's a reason everyone ran umber, and I think uh, Ping here is right that he does fit right into their play style now better than ever before. So um, another like what well, you mentioned, you're looking for ways to get back into them. And I was always a Stark player and I feel the same. Like, ah, how do I make them work? You know, cause I'm all about maneuver and that's how I play. It's like, how do I make them work for me now? Because they don't do what they used to. And there was a Stark list at the tournament that kind of got me thinking. And it was, uh, uh, Hurley's list and it was double heavy Cav and Eddard and a few other pieces, but I've been playing around with that list and having a lot of fun and, I might be playing Starks again. Yeah, I, I've been... <laughs> you should. I've actually uh, been playing a handful of uh, games against my nephew with Starks and against, you know, because he almost solely plays Night's Watch. And so even when he's trying to play a like, more uh, casual-type Night's Watch, it's always an uphill battle just because of how strong they are. And... Uh, and I've been having quite a bit of success. Um, uh, I apologize to anyone listening because I might have mentioned this last uh, last episode or the one before. But one list, since they've changed the trappers um, with the update, the Cranningman tra- or trackers, sorry, not trappers. Um, the hits, uh, you know, just adding that plus one um, has made a huge difference. And you know, I have a Holland list where Holland is in Berserkers. And then uh, I got uh, Bowman with um, Jojen. I have uh, Sworn Shields with uh, Mira. I think another Sworn Shield and Cranidman Trackers. And then what were my NCUs? I want to say Catlin uh, and um, uh, Littlefinger. Littlefinger so I can, um, you know, get some extra shots off with... Uh, with the Bowman, but you know, some of the combos in that list is just insane. Especially if you can get both of his, uh, uh, forgive me, I don't remember the name of the card, but turning any uh, piece into dangerous for your opponent's uh, units, you know, you can make a unit get stuck on a terrain piece, especially if it's not destructible. Um, you know, because more often than not, like uh, if you have your trappers nearby or the other card to, you know, reduce their speed by a lot, even if they try to get off that um, dangerous piece for the round, they might not be able to completely get off of it. So you could almost make a unit completely useless for two rounds in a row. Um, And not only that, 
uh, Jojen in Bowman. I definitely underappreciated Jojen at two points. I know uh, uh, two points is kind of hefty, but, man, getting rerolls on that many dice that hit on threes that ignore line of sight and, um, like, uh, like intervening models and everything, uh, it can get pretty nasty. And so I'm, I'm super excited. I like him at Bastards um, Girls. Uh, who? Oh, Jojen. Uh, Jojen. He has, he has a reroll on the charge as well. Yep, that's a good point, and for only one point more. So could always downgrade that second Sworn Shield to uh, a Sworn Sword, or in my opinion, I personally don't really care for Sworn Swords. I'd rather just downgrade to a um, Mercenary and get a free attachment. But um, there's you know there's a, a handful of options. If you really like the trackers, you can even downgrade to a second one of them. But, yeah, I think maybe that's, uh, that's what I'll try next time. Um, is downgrading that and trying out the Bastard Scrolls. So, um, as we kind of wrap up here, um, did either of uh, you two have anything uh, that kind of stuck out to you guys? Um, just in general, just anything, I guess, not necessarily that stuck out, but just anything you wanted to talk about, anything that uh, kind of came to mind that uh, you wanted to discuss uh, while we got you here? Um, I think we learned a lot from our first tournament, and so hopefully our next outing we won't disappoint and be a repeat uh, or even better. Um, I think everybody in the community was awesome. All the players I played against were great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, everyone was just was just really nice, really awesome. Um, that, that's it for me, Tang. Do you have anything? Uh, pretty much what you said, you know, like, uh, I love the community. Everyone's very nice, respectful, you know. There's a lot of honor. I don't I don't know. I don't know how everywhere else, but I think we at uh, North America, we have a lot of honor. <laughs> like, the whole, if you bring Relentless, you're a jerk tournament thing. It's kind of like, <laughs> damn, man. <laughs> like, even, even the Targaryens, they didn't bring Relentless, you know. Like, man. <laughs> Yeah, then uh, hopefully the patch comes this week because I have a lot of theory crafting I gotta do. Like, like I said, Sansa. Like, um, uh, a lot of people they don't like Sansa. For me, I love Sansa. It's just the notion that you know that dude plays Sansa. He either has an assault order or Fury or the Fallen Forever Stark or set for charge for Brandon Tully in his hand. Like, it's, it's like people, like, people, people, they're, they're not ready for it. It's it's more like a cheese. But then, like, I, I've been able, I've been able to, um, I, I've been able to duel, what was it, Lannister, uh, Slaterman with uh, Brandon Tully's uh, set for charge, you know. Like, my cousin, he charged his flamen in my flamen, and I played set for charge, and I was able to blow up a rank on his flamen, and his flamen only hit me four. You know, like I feel like there's a lot of theory crafting left to do. It's just that you know, uh, I say that people should try things out 
you know, like it doesn't it doesn't hurt to you know go goofy builds. You you know you might be the next person to discover what OP you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with uh, with Sansa, especially you know, you know, not that it really impacts the uh, the place or the gameplay, but just how amazing her new sculpt's going to be if she gets a revamp and becomes like super useful. Being able to use that model would be awesome. Um, but uh, also wanted to mention, you know, you, what you're saying about set for charge. I can't tell you with old Sansa how many times I did that with my main list um, with Brendan uh, Tully in uh, in Starks and I would run Sansa and just get set for charge three times in a game um, with Berserkers, you know, back when they had the Sundering and all those dice, uh, and it was pretty nasty. Um, but even when, even now, you know, uh, Sunday Slaughter had a podcast a while back where they ranked um, all the NCUs, and you know, initially they put uh, her in uh, the D category, uh, uh, D rank, and, you know, at the end, people got to argue to, you know, bring any NCU kind of up a bracket or down bracket. And, you know, I argued to bring her up to uh, at least a C uh, just because, um, you know, even with that combo I was mentioning with uh, Holland, even even though it's telegraphed, there's almost nothing they can do about it when you pull back the card that makes the terrain piece uh, dangerous and you play it four times in a game and basically make your opponent's unit never be able to move uh, can get pretty silly. Um, so though she is kind of more niche right now, it'll be interesting to see what they kind of do with her, um, you know, make her a little more uh, universally useful um, without, you know, making her too strong. So I think they – I don't think she'll be too too strong. I think uh, they'll kind of take into consideration how strong she was uh, initially when the game first dropped and then just still how strong she was after they changed her. But granted, you know, that was back when she was three points, so we'll see uh, see what they have in mind for a, four, uh, a, uh, a revamped uh, four-pointer uh, Sansa. All right. Yeah, so, like, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just saying I agree with you. Like, uh, like just getting into the mind of your opponent—that's the pressure that Sansa brings. And I don't think that's what people realize. It's not the fact that she's she takes up an activation in the zone. Usually, you want to use it for the crown because a lot of lists now you 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 play against. Uh, you know, like high high morale, you know, or low morale, whatever you call it. You use it on the crown, and just just the fact that your opponent knows that you either have swift repositioning, assault orders, you know, like uh, well, northern ferocity, like it's it spikes people out. You know, people hesitate. They hesitate, and it, it gives you the it gives you the advantage. Like people go, should I attack this unit because he might have picked up for the fallen, so Edward could have charged, or Edward could have could attack me. You know, that kind of stuff, the small stuff. Yep. Um, all right. So, again, um, I want to kind of give you guys uh, another um, 
pass through if there's anything else you wanted to talk about and or uh, even just shout outs if there's a person, place, uh, and it could even be like, you know, I don't know, a recommendation. Um, one thing we used to do early on with the show with a lot of our episodes was we kind of would give a non-Ice and Fire recommendation. Um, not something you have to do, but just uh, just kind of throwing it out there as if there's anything uh, you guys want to add. Um, I don't have any recommendations. I think song is pretty much what takes up most of my time right now. Um, you know, other than and spending time with my wife and uh and uh that that pretty much all takes up most of my time um i guess my only shout out is uh to the cousin that uh we practice with uh i really do want him to come to adepticon but uh there's some things personal things he's got to take care of first um so we may or may not see him at adepticon um but i really do hope he gets to come out and uh uh, experience the uh, community with us. All right. So, um, did you uh, did you have anything else? Anything else to add? Sorry, I can't talk. <laughs> uh, you know, I just I just want to thank all you guys and the uh, Song of Ice, Song of Ice and Fire community. Like, you know, it's been a blast. Uh, I hope. CMI releases the patch of Spoon so everyone can start playing again, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much, you know, I, you know, thank you for having us on the show. Like, I uh, appreciate it. Uh, my shout out, there's this miniature game called Conquest that I want to try out. But we'll see, you know, like I said, uh, money is always an issue, so see how things go. Uh, it's funny you uh, say uh, say conquest. Um, um, one of our co-hosts he hasn't been on in a bit. Just a lot of craziness happening. But uh, me and him uh, play conquest. Um, he collects practically everything because he's he's uh, he like helps the company out with a bunch of like testing and all that stuff and or not testing. Sorry, like uh, like outreach. I guess I don't know. Um, like com- building the the community. And then, uh, uh-huh. I, so he has like everything. And then I play uh, Spire. It's a really fun game. Yeah, I I want to try out the um, what you call the Nord faction. Oh yeah, the like the Vikings. Yeah, the, um, yeah, the door. The Dwegum. Yeah, Dwegum. Yeah, that's what you call it. Yeah, the models are awesome. Um, only complaint is having to build them, uh, and I know that's like uh, <laughs> that's a funny complaint when you talk about miniature games because you know almost all of them you have to build. So <laughs> I'm just you know, Ice and Fire has spoiled me uh, because you know I used every tabletop game I've played before Ice and Fire I've had to build, so it was always just kind of second nature never really thought about it just like oh you know got to build these models now and then playing this one for so long then i started up conquest and i'm like wait a second these don't come built <laughs> so <laughs> um Makes sense. the funny thing is i like to build i just hate everything 
prior to it, you know, snipping them out, cleaning them, and all that stuff. And uh, the building part, like gluing them together, I kind of I enjoy that, but um, it's just, it takes so long. But, uh, yeah, so definitely um, I second that uh, that with Conquest. Conquest is, if anyone's looking for a second game, uh, I definitely recommend trying that one out. It's super fun. All right, Craig, I'll let you kind of lead us out, and then I'll, I'll close this out. Okay. Um, I just want to thank you two for coming on. Um, after having played you both in back-to-back games, uh, it was very, very clear that you're both very skilled players, and the potential is sky high for you both. So I'm excited to see you guys at Adepticon and see where you go from here, um, whether you're able to win Adepticon or how, how you guys do. I'm really excited to follow your journey in the game from here on out. So thanks for coming on and sharing that with us. Yeah, well, definitely thanks for having us. Thanks for inviting us. Um, yeah, and again, we, I mean, I went into the tournament. I didn't think I was going to get invited onto a podcast to, to talk about it. So, um, yeah, thanks again for inviting us, and we had a boss, and we're, hope, we're hoping to, to continue that. Of course. And I also um, want to thank both of you, you guys for coming on. But uh, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, like, you know, like, well, thanks, that, you know, thank you guys for inviting us. That's pretty much it. <laughs> well, if you guys, you know, our show is, uh, like, an open format, so, um, you know, the topic may kind of already be set, but if there's any time you guys want to call in, uh, and anyone listening, um, you guys are all welcome to call in. Um, when we do our show live, uh, we try to do our show every other Friday and every other Wednesday opposite of that Friday. Um, I know that's sort of a confusing schedule, uh, and we kind of do bonus shows, and then sometimes we have to reschedule. So it's hard to necessarily plan for it, but um, if you see the – usually if you see the link go live, that means that we're – probably going to be starting the show like within the hour so if and it's usually rounded up so for example i sent out the uh links at like um 7 uh 45 or something so usually that means it's just the next rounded up hour so eight o'clock uh, if you see it go out at like i don't know um 1 probably means that it's going to start at two um just because we have had times where people have to cancel or, you know, just something came up and I don't like uh, doing it too far in advance because then, you know, uh, I, I got to cancel the show and everything and I got to, you know, if I already sent out the links to a bajillion places. So, um, so just keep, uh, keep an eye on that. Anyone is definitely welcome to call in or use the PC. So if you call in, I'm, I've just started uh, including the call-in number into the links. Uh, the call-in numbers are only good for that show, uh, so the call-in number changes show to show. And then the link um, to call in with your, uh, your computer, uh, you would still need a headset connected to your c- computer, obviously, um, but you, uh, 
you just hit the link uh, in, that I send out, and it should bring you to a page where then it has a button to click to join. It'll ask you to like input a name, um, and then you just hit connect. Uh, it's it's not it sounds a little more like complex, but it's really not that bad at all. Um, especially for anyone listening uh, overseas, uh, the computer option will help you get past any like uh, phone fees. So, but yeah, uh, so I definitely I extend uh, the offer to both of you guys if you ever want to just jump back on if you see our link, or um, or even if you want to like get a heads up of our next show. Um, I don't mind like telling if someone wants to ask. I don't mind kind of like telling people what the plan is for the next show. I just don't like making it public. You know, trying to tell one or two people, hey, actually, uh, it's not, probably not going to happen today, is way different than having to make a big announcement and hope you know a couple hundred people see uh, <laughs> see the change. So, but um, with that said, uh, Craig, uh, did you have anything else? All right, so going to close this out there. Again, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, it was a great show. I, you know, I definitely love hearing, you know, different, um, different viewpoints, different uh, opinions on different things, and especially, uh, you know, having, um, you know, pe- people on that are newer in some aspects, uh, you know, like tournaments or whatever the case may be. You know, it just gives you a different outlook, especially if there's other people that are kind of in your same boat that maybe are a bit newer and have never done a major tournament or any tournament and they're looking to do their first one. Um, you know, you never know how well you're going to do usually. Uh, it's hard to gauge when you have nothing to really base it on because you can be completely good in one game and jump into another game and not, you know, be very good at all or vice versa. I've had that a couple times. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, some games you just just kind of click a little better. For example, I used to play uh, Warm Warm Hordes, and I was awful. I loved the game, uh, but I was awful at it. Uh, and um, so, you never know. So even if you're you're not sure how well you're going to do, I'd say you know still enter the tournament and just have a good time. Um, especially Ice and Fire. Um, a lot of times there's still rewards uh, or awards. Um, for you know getting like last place or whatnot i know like my local i give out a unit box to last place um and a lot of times we'll do raffles for um a lot of the other prizes uh to try to make it less important about doing well because you know it's especially uh local events you know um you want to encourage the the more casual player to keep coming because, you know, I can't tell you how many games I've played where, you know, you have these casual players that are like, well, why am I coming to these tournaments? I'm just basically coming to give my money away. So, um, but yeah, so it's anyone on the fence out there, definitely uh, give some bigger events a try. I think you you would uh, be surprised with uh, how much you enjoy them because the experience is just amazing and the people you meet and just even uh some of the tactics and you know tips tricks that you learn along the way i think are uh are an amazing thing um you know uh playing against really good players makes you a better player um and then that's even true for you know uh your like 
small your group itself. You know, if you have a really good player, you know, don't avoid uh, playing them just because they're good. I promise you, if you play them over and over and over, you're going to get much better yourself. Um, I can't tell you how many newer players that I've had in my play group that, uh, you know, they come on and, um, you know, they have a slow start and, you know, they're not all that great. And then it just snowballs and then they become a really good player. So, and just keep at it. So, um, but yeah, with that said, uh, again, thank you guys for coming on. Um, I, can't wait for the next episode which should maybe uh possibly sort of maybe be this friday (laughs) still got to confirm with our uh, hosts but that is the plan um with that said this is the small council radio and it is dismissed